So let's get our Bibles. Colossians chapter 4. This morning we wrap up our series on the book of Colossians. And if, uh, just to remind you and go over this again, and I know some of you have heard this over and over and again, and sometimes just when I get to the point where I'm tired of saying something, I realize that hopefully it's sticking with you, um, that the central themes on the book of Colossians is just of us having the right view of Christ and the right view of how to live the Christian life but also the idea that Christ is sufficient. He's sufficient for every single need that we have in our lives. All that we need in this life, all the power, all the strength, all the wisdom, all the knowledge, everything is found in a personal growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Why don't you listen to Paul's words? Because this is, these two verses are really the central themes of the book of Colossians. It says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and every authority. In other words, Christ is enough. Let's say that together. Ready? Christ is enough. Inside Christ lived the fullness of God. He was completely human. He was all man, but he was also God. Inside of him was the deity. He was completely God in human form. Nothing was lacking. So if Jesus Christ is in you, then you are complete. Nothing is lacking, okay? Nothing is lacking. Now, as you read through Scripture, you see that what truly touches the heart of God is first our intimacy with Him. And we need to be asking ourselves every single day throughout the day, is my life bringing glory to God? In the way that I talk, in the way that I act, in the way that I'm living my life, is my life bringing glory to God? Is there intimacy between God and I so that my life is bringing glory to God? And the second thing is our relationships with people. All right? Are we engaged in people's lives? Do we have a heart for the hurting, for the lost, for people who, who, who need Jesus in a, in a very personal way? And that's really who Jesus came to this earth to, to, to reach out and to touch. I mean, he came here for, the, for those that were far from him, who needed him, the lost, the hurting, the, the marginalized. And so when you take all of that, it really comes down to the, you know, the, what, what God asked from us these two great commands, all right? That we love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, love God, and that we love our neighbor, we love people as much as we love ourselves. It's, it's vertical and horizontal. So as we close our series on this book of Colossians out this morning, what an incredible opportunity to make sure that we don't lose our focus on what's truly important to the heart of God, that, that we really keep the main thing the main thing. And again, the main thing is our intimacy with God, which is this vertical, the vertical relationship that we have with him, and then our horizontal, which is our relationship with people, and primarily people outside of the faith, people that desperately need Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that one leads to the other. Our intimacy with God should overflow into our heart and love for people, even people that we don't like, people that are different than us. I've had so many people over the years who have told me, I just don't like people. And, and I find that hard to believe that you can walk intimately with God and then just say that you, you don't like people. I've had pastors who tell me that they just don't like people. And my response to them is you need to get another job in a different line of work. Because I don't know how you can intimately walk with God, have a, a personal growing relationship with, with Jesus Christ, and then go, I don't like people. Okay? Because our intimacy with God, our relationship with God should give us a heart that overflows to have a heart for people. Well, the Apostle Paul closes off this letter to this little church in Colossae. 
Now, understand this, because sometimes I think when we think about the, the letters that are written in the New Testament to the church at Ephesus, the church of Philippi, the church of Colossae, all these letters, that we think of these big churches. These weren't big churches. These are little house churches. And many of them were under persecution. They were under attack. The church at Corinth was just all kinds of craziness going on there. But, but Paul closes this letter off to this little church in Colossae, and he addresses these two issues. First, he tackles our vertical relationship with God. And he asks the question, and we're going to ask the question this morning, how does God want us to communicate with him? How should we have this intimate relationship with God? Well, Paul addresses this in verse 2. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. In other words, Paul says, first of all, we need to pray with devotion. Now, the words continue steadfastly means relentless persistence. It's the same word that describes the devotion that the people had towards God and toward their teachers in, in, in Acts chapter 2, the very first church. It says in Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves. In other words, they came with a relentless persistence and followed after the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Being devoted to prayer is simile, it's very similar to some of the love and the, the, just the, you know, the admiration and the you know, how, how we chase after our favorite, you know, sports team. For some of you, it's Georgia or Georgia Tech or the Falcons or whatever. Listen, I, I'm, I, as I said earlier, I'm from Michigan, so I happen to be, you know, a Detroit fan. And, 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 I, and I'm a Detroit Lions fan. Now, you have no idea how hard that is, okay? I mean, it's been very difficult. Every year, they break my heart. They, they, they have ruined every Thanksgiving of my entire life. It's like, let's eat and then let's watch the lions lose. And then from there on, it's just all downhill, all right? I'm just so thankful when that, that chemical in Turkey kicks in and I can sleep, all right? And this makes me just forget the day. But every year, I go into Thanksgiving or I go into the year pulling for them, you know, with this devotion and relentless persistence. And every year, they break my heart. But I still pull for them because I'm, I'm just devoted. I'm a devoted Detroit Lions fan. And Paul says, listen, it's the same kind of relentless persistence, the same devotion. But he says, we need to stay devoted to prayer, don't bail. Don't jump off the bandwagon. Don't, don't, don't give up. And you may have, you know, seasons in your life that are just spiritually dry. Or you, maybe you don't feel like you have anything to say. Or there may be times where you feel like, you know, your prayers aren't being answered or they're not being heard. And, or maybe you just feel like you're wasting your time. And trust me, you're not. And Paul encourages us here. He says, just keep praying. Be devoted to it. Why? several reasons, but probably the biggest reason is just our intimacy with, with God. It's, it's how we relate to him. It's how we communicate. It's how we stay close to his heart. And what, the, the thing that I love about God, among many other things, is that he desires intimacy with us. I mean, think about that for a moment. The God of the universe who creates everything and is holding it all in his hand desires intimacy with you. He wants intimacy with you. The next Sunday, we're going to be starting a, a brand new series leading into Christmas called What If? And it's going to be exciting. I, I, I think it, it, it's, it, it's really actually going to be a game changer for our church. And I think it's, it's going to be a difference maker for many of you personally. And then we're going to be talking about generosity. And it's not going to be all mo about money. So don't, don't get that in your, in your mind. It, there's going to be a whole lot more. But trust me, you're not going to want to miss this. But as we move forward towards you know, through the next several weeks, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to ask you to be devoted to prayer. 
We need to, to pray with relentless pers- persistence that God will use this time to build our lives. We need to be praying that God will use this time for, uh, for this church to make a significant impact in our community. Then, then Paul says we need to pray with watchfulness. What, now, what does that mean? Well, Paul told the believers in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, he says, so then let us not sleep as others, also, others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. He's not talking about drinking here. He's talking about being alert in our minds. The night before Jesus was crucified, this is what Jesus said to his disciples in Mark 14. He said, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. He said, remain here and watch. Now, what does it mean to be watchful in prayer? Well, Paul's telling us that watchful prayer is for us to, to, to be able, we need to be watchful in prayer so that we can face down temptation. Okay, because when we're watchful, it keeps, it keeps our, a guard on our hearts. It makes us aware that there's spiritual battle, spiritual battles going on around us all the time. When we're praying with a watchful awareness, we are praying and we are very aware that there's spiritual warfare going on all the time. And so often, we, we just don't even think about the fact that there's a warfare going on around us all the time that we can't see. We'll, we'll get mad at someone. We don't understand the source of that. It's not, according to Ephesians 6, not flesh and blood. It's all of the the things that are going on around us that are continuously at war against us, trying to stir things up. And so Paul's saying, listen, be watchful. In other words, realize that you're going to face a lot of temptations. Realize that you're still going to deal with sin. But realize also that there's spiritual warfare and spiritual battles going on around us all the time. Don't lose sight of that. Then he says, pray with thankfulness. Now, there are so many times in the Bible when we're, inclu- we're encouraged to include pr- uh, thankfulness in our prayer time. And it's, and it's very evident throughout Scripture that God loves a heart of gratitude. We're commanded through Scripture to express our thankfulness for things that he's done for us. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, where Paul's telling this church at Philippi, he says, don't worry about anything and said, pray about everything. Tell God that you need, tell God what you need, and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, did you catch that promise there? Thankfulness equals peace. You say, how is that? Well, when you replace your worry and you replace your anxiety and you replace your fears and all of your cares with thanksgiving, God brings peace into your situation. You think about how often we get stressed out and we get worried and we get just overwhelmed with all of the stuff that we're dealing with in our lives. And sometimes we get to this place where it's so heavy we feel like we're drowning in it. But here's how this works. Here's how this passage works. Instead of letting your heart and mind get so overwhelmed into this place where you're drowning in worry, drowning in anxiety, drowning in in fear, the Bible says, refocus your attention on the good things that God is doing in your life. Thank him for it. And watch God replace your anxiety with peace. In other words, step back from all of the stuff that's overwhelming you and flooding it, flooding your mind, anxiety, worry, fear, care, you know, all these burdens. And just refocus yourself and say, God, even though I'm drowning in this, I'm going to start thinking about all of the things, the good things that you are doing in my life. And as you do that, God promises to replace all of your anxiety with a peace. And he describes it as a peace that goes beyond anything that we can comprehend. A peace that actually will guard our heart and guard our minds. I wonder, how many of you right now would say, you know what? You need to have a heart. Your heart 
is at, a, at, a, is at a place where we're just overwhelmed with anxiety or worry. And you need God this morning to just flood his peace over you to replace all of that worry with peace. How many of you say you're in a place like that right now? There's so many of you. I want to encourage you just to take a moment today and just sit down, even if you need to write it all down, just, just start thinking of all of the great things God's doing in your life. All of the wonderful things that he's doing around you. And let God just take all of that burden. Take your burdens and cast it upon him. Bring your worries and your fears and cares to God. And turn your focus to all of the things that you can be thankful for in your life right now. Now, what does God want us to pray for? Well, Paul talks about this in verse 3. He says, at the same time, pray also for us. That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I, make, that, I, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now, Paul says, first of all, we need to be praying that and asking God to open doors for us. Now, Paul just told you where he is. He's in prison. But he's not asking, and he's not asking these people to pray that the prison door will open so he can get out. No, no, no. He's asking that God would provo- provide more open doors for him while he's in prison to share the gospel. I want you to think for a moment about all of the open doors that God has given this church for well over the last 16 years. I mean, I I started thinking about this yesterday, all the mission trips that we've been on together, all of the the things that we've done, all the rush camps, all of the surge camps for kids that we've had, the community makeovers, the the dinner in December's that we've done in this building and over at the high school and, and the Easter services and the amount of people that have trusted Christ and now the hope for Christmas opportunities that we have that are actually getting ready to come up. I mean, God has opened doors for thousands of people to hear the gospel through the, through the ministries of Westridge Church. <clears throat> but we need to keep praying that thousands more will have a chance to hear it in the future. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, here, here's what Paul said. He said, now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, here's what I found. I found that the Lord had opened a door for me. Now in scripture, an open door is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. When is the last time that you asked God to open a door for you? Open a door for me to share the gospel with someone else. Give me an opportunity. I mean, for some of you, that open door, it might be right in front of your face. We need to be praying right now, Lord, where's this opportunity that I have right now in my life to be able to bless someone? The bless we've we've talked about is our personal plan that we have to to engage in people's lives, to to begin with prayer, to listen, to, to eat with them which breaks down the walls so we can fellowship and then begin to serve them and begin to be, open up that door to share our story, share the gospel with them. So we need to be praying for open doors. And then we need to ask God for clarity as we share Christ with others. Now, Paul says in verse three, he says, pray that we can share the mystery of Christ with clarity. The mystery of Christ is the message that Christ has died for the sins of the world And that because of that, we have an opportunity to receive him by faith. And when we do, he takes up residence in our lives and begins to live his life through us. Now, with all the different denominations and religions and different things that have popped up over the last 2,000 years since the days of Christ, that very simple message has gotten all clouded up. I think of all of the people over the years that I've encountered that think that somehow or another, at the very heart of following Christ is, is a list of do's and don'ts. Or, or they think the message of Christ is that you have to clean up your life and do enough good works before you're able to, to, to get into heaven or to receive him as Savior. And that's, that's not even close. The Bible says the world doesn't understand the gospel. 
It doesn't make sense to them. Paul says in Corinthians that to most people, the, the, the message of the gospel, even though it's incredibly simple, is foolishness. So Paul says, pray that we can make the cloudy become clear. Paul says when we pray to God, we need to be devoted, we need to be watchful, we need to be thankful, we need to ask God to open doors, and then we need to ask God to help us to bring clarity to the message. And then as we move into verses 5 and 6, we're not only told how to speak to others about God, but we're asked, Paul then tells us how to act in front of those that need Christ. Now, how does God want us to speak to other people? Okay, we, we we go from the vertical to now the horizontal, the overflow. Now, verse 6 here is a challenge to us. It's a challenge to us to, for us to guard what comes out of our mouths. Look at verse 6. It says, let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how, to, how you ought to answer each person. Paul says when you're talking to others about Christ, first of all, or and when we're talking to anybody, we need to be gracious. Now, back in, in uh, 1987, 1988, I can't remember exactly what month it was, I was asked, along with two of my friends, to um, go to Washington, D.C. I was going to school in Virginia. Go to Washington, D.C. and to help this film company out of California to film a documentary on the AIDS epidemic in in America. And so for three days, we went and we worked for this film company and we were at the Gay March on Washington. And according to these organizers, there was over 500,000 people at this three-day event in Washington, D.C. And I remember, you know, getting into this event and going from venue to venue and it was just all kinds of things that you see. I mean, and you know, I, I was overwhelmed. I'd never been in an, envi- in an environment like that before. Here I am, I'm just, I'm in this whole environment. And I, I, I remember going back to my hotel room and I was just flooded with all kinds of different emotions of what was going on. And the next day, I, I remember praying that night, Lord, give me a heart for these people. Give me a heart right now for these people. And the next day I remember going back and I sat down and I'm starting to talk to these, these folks and they start asking me questions because I've been hanging out with them. So where do you go to school? Well, okay, I go to Liberty University. Isn't that Jerry Falwell's school? Now I've got a big knock against me right there. So I'm thinking, how, how in the world am I going to now overcome whatever these people may think about me? And I just realized I just need to let them get to know me. And I need to let my speech and what I say just reflect the love of Christ in my life. And I just, and it was amazing because as I continued to, to just go through the next few days, even, I mean, I was in environments, and there was one environment I walked into where I almost got, we had to be rushed out of an environment, put into a limo because we were, had a crowd coming against us because they found out that we, we went to Jerry Falwell's school. But I just remember getting back in this crowd, and I mean, I'm just surrounded by thousands and thousands of people and I just thought to myself, the only way that we're ever going to see these people come to Christ is to show them love, to show them graciousness. I mean, God just began to just break my heart for this, this group of folks who desperately need Jesus Christ, who desperately need to see truth. And I'm going to tell you something, over the next years, that's, that's going to be a huge issue that as a church we're going to wrestle with. How do we wrestle with the gay community? Now, I tell you what, you go down downtown Atlanta, any sports event, you can see people with their placards and bullhorns and yet people yelling, you're going to burn in hell. I don't know anyone in my whole life that's ever come to Christ as a result of that. Matter of fact, when I see that, I get angry. Amen. I want to tell you how we're going to see people, in, and, and I'm not just talking about gay community, I'm talking about people who are living in, in any kind of sin. 
We're going to have to love them. We're going to have to, our speech and the way we act has to be gracious. We stand on the word of God, but we've got to be gracious towards people outside, people that come in that are different than us. And we, as a Christian community, I realize that there's a lot of emotions and sometimes hostility that we face towards things that are said or whatever. But the Bible calls us right here. It says, let your speech always be gracious. All right? When they were describing Jesus in Luke chapter 4, here's how Luke described Jesus. It says, all that spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. Who was Jesus combative with? The religious. But he had, a, he had just a heart for those people that were, that were struggling, those people that were in sin. People that typically a lot of us get angry with. And Paul says our speech and the way we act needs to be appetizing. Paul says let our conversations be seasoned with salt. Now why salt? Well, salt enhances the taste of food, but it also makes it more appetizing. Plus it makes people thirsty. And the question I want to ask you this morning is, does your language and the way you talk, does it turn people off and drive them away from you and away from Christ? Or does it draw people towards you? And does it make them curious wanting to be around you more and, and, and want them to hear more about what you have to say? Does, does your conversation and what comes out of your mouth make people more curious and, and communicate that there's something different going on in your life? Think about the way that you communicate on social media. I mean, we get really bold when we get behind a computer screen, don't we? Behind a keyboard. I mean, we say things we would never say to somebody face-to-face. But even then, listen, does, does your communication on social media reflect a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? Does it reflect an appetizing way to communicate to to where somebody's watching the way you communicate and going I want to know more about that person I want to know more about what's going on in their life it's 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 making me thirsty to want to know more about what's changing their life and how they're different we need to learn to talk and to act in a way that makes people thirsty to hear more of what we have to say and it should lead them to Christ and then we need to be ready when we mix it up with people that don't know Christ we need to be ready to give them an answer when they ask us questions if your words are going to cause people to be thirsty, then we're also, we also need to make sure that we're able to have a clear, logical explanation for what it is that we believe. All right? 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Do it with gentleness and respect. Paul says, always be ready to share your faith with people. Always be ready to to talk about why you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Always be ready to defend your faith, but do it with gentleness and respect. Be prepared. Now, I know that defending your faith, for some of you, that that scares you. I mean, because you feel pretty illiterate when it comes to being able to, you know, explain the Bible. But remember, you have two stories to share. One of them is your story. And your story is a story of life change. And it's hard to argue with a story of a life that's been changed. The other story is God's story. It's the story of Jesus. And I want you to know, trust me, Jesus and God, they can take care of their stories as you share it. I mean, they, they have the ability to, to defend themselves, to take care of their story. And so be gracious, be appetizing, and be ready. Now, the last part of this message deals with how we should act towards the world. Everyone outside this building. 
And this is really where the rubber meets the road. Because we can pray and pray and pray and talk about Christ till we're blue in the face. But if we're not living it out, our words are going to fall on empty ears. We must balance our lives with our actions. So how does God want us to act towards others? Look at verse 5. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. First thing Paul says is be wise. In other words, don't do something that's going to mess up your testimony. Don't do something that's going to mess up your opportunity to talk to others about Jesus Christ. The other night, um, well, let me go back. Some of you have been through the, the, the membership class at Westridge. And in that class, all right, you're, you're asked to sign a covenant to be a member of Westridge Church. And one of the lines in that covenant states that you have to agree to protect the testimony of this church. In other words, you simply are agreeing that you're going to act like a follower of Jesus Christ in this community. That means you guard your speech and you guard your actions. Why? Because people in this community are making decisions about the validity of Christianity based upon how you are living your life as a Christian. And you don't just hurt the church. You just, you, you, when you let your mouth run loose or you act foolish on social media or act foolish out in the community, you hurt the cause of Christ. The other night, I was, um, my family and I walked into a, a restaurant and it was packed. It was late on Friday night and we were really, really hungry and I was not feeling well. And so we walk into this restaurant and they basically have no place to wait for tables. And so we're standing there and several people are waiting there, you know, around the bar area waiting and this and that. And I'm literally getting shoved up against this trash can. And I'm already irritated, all right? But I'm realizing that a, a lot of people in this restaurant probably know who we are. And you might be sitting here, so, this morning. Um, and so I'm very aware that, that people are watching us, okay, as we're getting shoved against the trash can, you know, and, and uh, kids are running all over the place. And people are coming in, and this, this waitress is taking names, and I'm watching her seat, different tables, you know, different people who obviously I saw were already there before us. And then this other family walks in and she begins to start seating them at a table. Now, we've already been in there. And so I'm thinking, I'm getting really upset. I'm going to go out. I'm, I'm going to have a word with this, one, this young girl. All right. Now, there's a table here, table here. And people are, it's like, it's like, boom, the spotlight goes on. Brian's irritated. He's hungry. All right. And this woman, this young girl, is giving away the table that is rightfully mine to a family that just walked in. I've been standing there for 15 minutes eating the trash can next door. To, I mean, I'm just like. And my very wise wife goes, come on, let's go. Let's just leave. Let's just leave. So I'm just like, she has wisdom. I may not at this moment. So we start walking out. And the guy who's getting ready to get my table, he, he, st- he grabs my arm and he goes, hey, listen. He goes, I know that we were just offered that table in front of you. He goes, I told the waitress we just came in. That table's yours. And I went, bless you, brother. And I just cast a blessing on him. (laughs) But you know what? Honestly, I had an opportunity there to blow my testimony, to hurt the cause of Christ, to put a stain on Westridge Church. And listen, we're faced with that stuff all the time. And that's why the Bible calls us to be wise towards outsiders because they're watching us all the time. Romans 16, 19 says, for your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. And so when we pray that God will give us open doors, let's, let's also make sure that we don't shut them by our behavior. 
You understand? I mean, God's opening doors for us all the time, and yet we're shutting them because we act like idiots. And then it says we need to make the most of every opportunity. Now, the phrase making the most of every opportunity, and some of your, your Bible says making the use of, 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 of time, what it literally means is to buy up. We need to buy up these opportunities that God gives us. This picture of, of, of something being on sale, and we buy it up. You know, we buy up all that we can afford because the price is so good. It's our responsibility as a church to buy up every opportunity that God gives us, either verbally, whether it's to verbally share Christ or to let our actions relate the message of Jesus Christ to the world around us. And God has given us, again, so many wonderful opportunities already. However, I believe the biggest opportunities that we're going to have as a church are ahead of us, even greater than what God's done in, in, the, in the past. Some of, the, some of us are staring those opportunities right in the face. And I think about our community around us and how many people around us that are just that are just lost. People that you know around you that are hurting and wounded, struggling. There's people that I know that, that, would, that, that know about Westridge that, but are scared to death to drive down that parkway because they've been so wounded and burnt by religion. They're scarred and they, they, they need hope in their life. And they're watching. They're watching us all the time to see, are these people the real deal? Listen, if we can commit to guarding our testimony, the, guard, the, the testimony of this church, and commit to pray, and if we can commit to look for those open doors that God has put in front of us, we're going to come out stronger and see greater things than we've ever seen before. Think of the open doors. Think of, think of the opportunities. Think of how we could impact other churches and other communities all over the world. You say, how are we going to do this? It goes back to the last series that we, we came out of, the, the All In series. We talked about the mission of our church. We talked about of the fact that a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is all in. He's all in in the idea of loving God and loving others and growing in his relationship with Jesus Christ and serving those around us and in sharing our faith. And I believe God is calling us continuously to be all in not only for Jesus, but all in for his church. We also need to be committed to prayer and to have a heart for lost people. And as I said a moment ago, next week we're going to have an opportunity to put our faith into action. We're going to start a brand new series that I'm praying, our staff has been praying, we've been praying since the summer, that God would ignite generosity in this church. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about every area of our life because I believe that Jesus modeled an all-in mentality when he gave his life for us. It was the ultimate act of generosity. And again, this this is not going to be a series about just about giving. It's going to be about a whole bunch more. I mean, and you don't want to miss it. Every movement, every great movement, every great invention, every great discovery begin with the question, what if? What if we could fly? What if I could actually sit at the front of that bus? What if, I could, what if we could go to the moon? And next week as an all-in church, we're going to be asking the what if question. Questions, I believe, that are going to lead us to greater heights as believers and as a church. And you don't want to miss it, trust me. You want to bring people with you. And so as Paul closes out this letter to this church at Colossae, he reminds us, keep the main thing the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Stay focused on the fundamentals. Intimacy with God, vertical. And have a heart for others. One should lead to the other. Our vertical relationship should overflow horizontally into the lives of other people. This past week as I was praying about this Sunday, I, I was asking God, Lord, would you give me a way to finish this service that would help us to prepare our hearts for the next series. 
And God put something on my heart Monday or so. And I just thought, what if, as part of our series coming up, the, the What If series, if we could focus much of our prayer time on, on just people that are outside of these walls that need to be blessed. People that need to be just prayed for, listened to, people that we can sit down and eat with, serve and share to the place where we get to share our story about Jesus Christ. People that are far from God and completely lost. What if, what if, what if we could, as part of up until right now, up until Christmas, begin to, as a church, commit. Lord, I'm going to pray for this person every day. And I'm gonna ask you to open a door, give me an opportunity, and I'm gonna keep praying with devotion and watchfulness. And Lord, I'm asking you to open a door. And when you do, I'm gonna be ready. And I'll be wise and I'll be, you know. But Lord, every day. And as a staff, here's what we're gonna do for you. We're gonna commit over the next several weeks and months, we're gonna pray for you. That's what all these cards that you see up on the stage right now are the, have the names of people or the names of a, of a specific community. It might be a cul-de-sac or what. Some, people in the last service said, this is, this is the name that I'm praying for that God will allow me to bless over the next few, few months to the point where I get an opportunity to share my faith in Jesus Christ, hoping that they will make a decision to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to be their savior. So here's what I want you to do right now. I want everyone in this room to bow your head for a moment. And I want you to ask God, Lord, put someone on my heart. They're probably already there. There's a name right now that's on your heart or a community. And Lord, would you give me the opportunity? Would you open the door? Would you, would you make an opportunity for me? to share my faith. And when I do, Lord, would you give me such clarity that it makes sense? Would you already begin to plant the seed, open the door so that when I begin to bless them, they, they just receive it. And as a church staff, we're gonna pray with you that God will let that happen. And we're gonna celebrate that stuff over the next several weeks and months, all the way through Christmas. What if God allowed you to lead your best friend to Christ? What if God allowed you to lead your son or daughter to Christ? What if God allowed you, opened a door for you to bless your brother or your sister or to see your cul-de-sac come to Christ? What if you had such amazing clarity with your words and such boldness that came from the Holy Spirit that you had an opportunity to see that one person that's been on your heart for years and years and years you got a chance to see them come to Christ. I want you to write that name down. I didn't share this in the first service, but I want to share it in this one. I, I had a cousin that I have prayed for since I was probably about maybe eight, maybe eight or nine, ten years old. And I prayed for this cousin for years that God would give me the opportunity to share Christ with him. And about three or two and a half years ago, ago or so, God allowed them through just a miraculous series of events to move to Marietta. And he and his wife, totally not in church, not believers, but close to me. And they moved to Marietta and they just started attending Westridge. And I just began to pray, God, just let me bless them. They, they know where I stand, but just let me bless them. And as they continued to come to church and we began to continue to talk and 
I just, God just allowed me to share more and more and more about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And my brother got to share and my wife and our kids. And it was an amazing thing. And, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, one day I, he came to me and said, we're being transferred to a, another city up north. And I, my heart just broke. Because I'm just thinking, Lord, they've been here for over a year and a half. And I've still not just seen this opportunity for, they've not put their faith and trust in Christ and they've been here every Sunday and we've had so many conversations and we've spent hours and hours together. And then Andrew Prey died. And Andrew, for whatever reason, had a great impact on my cousin and his wife, his life. They just loved him. Didn't even know him, met him. But they, when, when we had Andrew's funeral in this church, they felt compelled to come to his funeral. And I remember me preaching and them sitting right over there. And at the very end of Andrew's funeral, I, I, I presented the gospel and I, and I said, if you just put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand. And I'm looking around the crowd and there were just tons of people came to Christ. And I didn't, didn't see them over there, but my cousin called me later that day and he said, hey, my wife and I want to have dinner with you. We've got to tell you about something. And so we went over to Johnny's Pizza and I said, Amy and I are sitting down with them and it's, it's my cousin, his wife and their daughter. And all of a sudden we're ordering and they just, we start talking and I said, what's up? And tears. And they're not big criers, but just tears. And they couldn't even tell me. And I finally, I, I'm just like, so what happened at the, the funeral? What about the funeral? The thing at the end. And I went, did you pray to receive Christ? I mean, they can't even get the words out. And I look at my, his wife and I went, you too? And she went, and I've been praying for them since I was 10 that God would open the door. And he did. And he, they listened to me week after week for over a year and a half, share the gospel. And it, but, it, but for whatever reason, at that moment, through Andrew's death and his life, just watching his life, that was the moment. Boom. And God opened the door. And we walked through. And now my cousins are going to be with me in heaven. And, he, and part of that was, will you baptize us? And I haven't had that chance yet, but I'm going to get to. And God's going to do that for you. Some of you have, you have lost brothers and sisters and family members and people that you've been praying for forever, or people that God just put on your heart. And my prayer and your prayer is, Lord, help my life to be a reflection of yours. So salty that people are just, they want what you, you've, you're what's in my life and would you let them would you give open the door make an opportunity for them for me to be able to bless them to the point where they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ would that not be amazing so as Stevie sings I want you to take that card I want you to I want you to pray about it right now Lord open this door for me to bless this person this community and I want you to when you're ready to come up and I want you to put it on the stage put it on the on the um on the stairs over here. We're going to collect all of these and as a staff, we're going to begin to pray out loud every one of these names, asking God to open this door for you as we move into this What If series. All right?